Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Jesus, we honor you in this place. We thank you that you're already moving in the room. You're already moving upon our hearts. Just as Renee was receiving the offering, I just felt the Lord draw near, felt overcome by his presence. We say this weekend is all about you. If we don't draw closer to you, if we don't see you more, if we don't know you more, if we don't love you more, we've missed the point. This is Passion Week, folks. And it's the passion of Yeshua. It's the passion of Jesus for the whole world and how he gave his life and he died and he resurrected. And it's our passion response to him to honor his sacrifice to honor his glory can we just take a moment again and just extend our love to the lord can we just honor yeshua can we honor jesus in our midst here we say we welcome you we welcome you we welcome you resurrected one we welcome you who have the keys of life It's such a joy to be here with you, and wow, it's so good to be with our family and our growing Bethel Austin family as well. It feels like home to be here as we're coming back. Again, it was a year ago at the same time that we're here doing the Passover Seder and the weekend, and uh, such a, a special time in the presence of the Lord, and my heart has been full of expectation and uh, just so grateful for, to the Lord last night and coming and meeting us as we were loving on him. Thank you, God. Sorry, I'm trying to get my <laughs> composure a bit here. Ooh. <laughs> I so love and honor the leadership of this house, and you truly have a unique couple that are leading you here, and I'm proud to, be call, to call them friends. Earlier in the year or in the fall, I can't remember exactly when it was, I asked Joaquin if he would zoom into our discipleship school, and he said, yeah, and we set it up, and just for a time of impartation and teaching on Holy Spirit, and I had injured my knee and it was so swollen that I couldn't bend it. And the night before the class, I had a dream about the class and that my knee got healed during the class. And I shared with our staff and I was like, guys, I'm going to get healed this morning. 
Because I know enough about when God gives those dreams, if we just add our faith to it, we can pull from that right into our day, right into our day, right into our day. And so whether you have vision or you have dreams, or you have glimpses, you get, catch a glance, of Jesus, a glance of Jesus and what he wants to do, pull it into the now. Pull it into the now. And sure enough, at the end of the session, Joaquin said, I want everyone to stand up if he's doing impartation over Zoom. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've been in a lot of terrible Zoom meetings the last few years, but this was a good one. <laughs> and as I stood to my feet, I realized that all the swelling, all the inflammation was gone, and my knee was completely healed. Woo! Glory to Jesus. And I'm so grateful to the kindness of Jesus and how he works through his servants. But what I really love about Joaquin is that every time I get around him, I love Jesus more. Thank you, Lord. We honor you. You just want to Create that atmosphere of honoring the presence of Jesus today on Resurrection Sunday so that we might see you, that we might know you, that we might become more like you, that we'd be transformed and changed here in this place. I don't know how many were here last night but we released some declarations. We released some cries on Silent Saturday. We released some cries of the Spirit. And I shared how we've it's become our practice in our training school and with our disciples that was based on a vision that we put into action where one of my brother-in-law, my co-leader in the greenhouse school of ministry there he had had a vision of every time someone gave a testimony that we would all, it was one voice, shout out, worthy is the lamb. And when we shout out, worthy is the lamb, we're giving glory immediately back to him for what he's done and for who he is. And last night, the message was on, behold the lamb, behold the man, and behold your king. Behold the lamb, Behold the man and behold your king. And I want to continue on in a similar vein this morning as we look at the word on this Resurrection Sunday. Because there is power in our confession. There's power in our confession in the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Woo! Thank you, Lord. In chapter 12, in verse 11, it says, And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even to the death. On this day that we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, there is a heart-filled response of those that are overcomers in the life that he gives because he conquered sin and death. And because of that, death no longer has a hold on us, and we don't count our life as something that we have to hold on to, but rather that we 
we say that we apply the blood of the lamb to our life and the word of our testimony opens up arena where death has no dominion upon us any longer. It cannot hold us back and the fear of death is broken off of our lives so that we can wholeheartedly live for the one who rose from the dead, who has the keys of death and hell and has ascended to the Father and sits at the Father and he pours out his spirit upon us and he gives us identity as his people and as his family and no longer is death have a sting and no longer does it have dominion upon us or no longer does it limit us in any way but we say we have overcome because of your blood and because of the word of our testimony so when we apply the blood of the lamb to our lives, to our homes, to our communities, and then we, we, by confession, we open up our mouths and we say what the word of God says about the power of the blood of the lamb, we enter into an overcoming and victorious life where there's breakthrough against every assignment of the enemy. We do it with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Our eyes fixed on the lamb, upon the man, and upon our king. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. We literally pull from eternity the reality of the fullness and the limitlessness of the precious lamb of God and his blood. That's a solution for everything. It's atomic, nuclear power that's unlimited to save, to heal, to deliver, to restore, to mend, and to, to release the shalom of God that every broken thing not only becomes right, but better than it ever was. And so there's confession that has power, and it's in my heart today that we would be a people of faith confession, that we would declare the truth of God's word, and literally we would see mountains leveled, we'd see obstacles obliterated, and that we would, we would go forth with this power of resurrection life out from this place today to do mighty exploits for the kingdom of God, that we would be more than overcomers, that we would go forth with a new sound of victory and the smell of of battle that would be behind us but the but the sound of rejoicing and victory would be upon our lives as we go into our workplace into our community into our schools into every sphere that God has given us to have dominion in worthy is the lamb thank you God there's a confession that has been part of the prayer of the church for the last 2,000 years there's a confession of faith that I believe matches what we spoke about last night. Behold the lamb, behold the man, behold the king. And it's this confession. It's simple in its nature. But on Resurrection Sunday, we will join our voices to 2,000 years of faith confession to say, Christ has died. Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Behold the lamb. Behold the man. Behold your king. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Can we just, can we just say that even now? Before we get into the, into the message and we begin to unpack that, can we just lift up our voices in a faith declaration? And we're not saying that alone just in a room in Austin, Texas, but we're literally joining with the witness of those that have gone before us, not just for 100 years, but for millennia now, that there has been a consistent expression on Resurrection on Sunday where the people of God have come together and that they have made this declaration that worthy is the lamb, worthy is the man, worthy is the king Christ has died Christ has risen and Christ will come again come on let's stand to our feet let's lift up our voices and we're going to make a shout a a declaration the declarations of faith release the truth of the eternal nature of God in heaven into the atmosphere around us and bring breakthrough when we confess in faith whoo thank you Lord Is this not what we are doing today in coming into the waters of baptism? Entering, sharing together in the death of the old man, just like he died upon the cross, coming up out of the water and resurrection life as a new creation. But we're living for something. We're living for the comings of Jesus. And we're living for the coming again of Jesus. That we come up out of that waters changed and transformed to join together with him. To join together with his kingdom to be released on earth as it is in heaven. Until there's such a witness that cities are changed and nations are changed and the whole globe is changed. And he cannot hold back in his purposes, but he comes and reunites together with his bride here upon earth. And the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. We identify with him in death and resurrection in partnership with the coming of the king and his kingdom. Can we shout it out together? Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. We're going to say it three times in the power of three, and this is actually a pattern from the Passover story, and it's a pattern that's replicated again in the Passion Week. I don't have time to go into unpacking of that. You can take it by faith. But there's a threefold witness. A threefold witness that's established. Even his blood and water that came out and the spirit that was released. Thank you, Lord. One, two, three. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Come on. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's kind of like starting out. If we get that in, and that declaration in, we start out with the end at the beginning. We can just kind of fill in the gaps now through the message. First of all, this ancient confession of faith, Christ has died. We remember in the Passion Week the power of the cross. We remember the power of the blood that was shed for us. 
Andrew Murray, he said, it is impossible for us to think too highly or expect too much from the power of Jesus' blood. It is more than enough for every need. The book of Revelation says that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. That means before there was any fall, before there was any sin, there was an answer. There was a solution that was out of the limitlessness of the nature of God. And for every problem and for every need and for every bit of lack, there already is a solution in heavenly places. And we're drawing it down into the day. We're earthing it. We're saying, Lord, let it be the power of the blood here in my life and here in my city. Christ has died. The power of the blood to forgive. The power of the blood to cancel debt. His blood has canceled every debt. That we owe the power of the blood to convey us into the kingdom of God. The power of the blood to mark us as his own possession. The power of the blood. I could go on and on and on to tell you of what the blood actually does when it's applied to our life. But in his death and in the power of the cross, we remember that it is more than enough. It doesn't stop there, though. He didn't stay upon the cross. And so he invites us to share with him. For you who were baptized today, and for those of us that remember our day of baptism, we identified with him in his death as we go down into the waters and that we come up in resurrection life. We come up in newness of life as a new creation. This is a mystery. I want to tell us, friends, that there's something as we travel and we go to different places that the Holy Spirit is breathing afresh and new on the sacraments of the church in a revival context. There's something of the consistent witness throughout the history of the people of God. And we're seeing that around the communion, around the table of the Lord, there is revelation that is breaking out that's unprecedented at our time. That there's revival movements that are coming as they're coming back to the table of the Lord to appropriate the power of the blood and the body of Jesus in a way where our eyes are not on a man or not on a minister, but they're on the Lamb Himself, who is more than enough. The, the, they're the sacrament of baptism. Don't get thrown off by me using that kind of word, sacrament. But these are part of the marks of the church, part of the marks of the people. It makes us who we are. When we come to the table of the Lord, we affirm who we are before principalities and powers, and before rulers, that we belong to Jesus and that we are his family. It's the same thing when we go down into the waters there that we are affirming, and it literally pushes back darkness. It literally sends demons running. That there is a new move of deliverance. I believe that in faith that the Lord is releasing something in our midst of a fresh wave of deliverance that we will no longer be caught in the cycles of addiction and bondage to the works of darkness in our life. But as we come back to that, we will see it broken. Once and for all, it is finished. 
the Lord is moving in revival context and revival strings and he's bringing us back to that place where we honor the body and the blood, where we honor baptism and we're seeing that there are moves of the Holy Spirit in our own county in Pennsylvania. There's been a Jesus tent this last summer and it's coming again and thousands of young people are coming to this Jesus tent and they're gathering hungry for the Lord and every night young people are getting saved and baptized and they're getting delivered from addiction and from the different works of darkness upon their lives. No longer will we have a negative report about our generation. We'll say the blood of Jesus is more than enough. The waters of baptism is more than enough. That there are disciples that are being raised up that are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And what the sacraments do is that they release a strong testimony in the people of God. A strong testimony to stand and having done all to stand. He's putting steel in the spine of the church again as we come back to some of the old things in the newness of life in the spirit. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is speaking today. In this season, here in Austin. We're not going to pick and choose But there is a consistency, a strength of the witness of the church throughout the ages that we partner into in that way. There's a building and then with the new move of the spirit, it's like the testimony of those that have gone before us are literally propelling us like a wind at our back. And we're following the lead of the Holy Spirit in our generation and it's pushing us in to the purposes of God to lay a hold and to forcefully advance the kingdom of God. It's impossible for us to think too highly or expect too much from the power of Jesus' blood. We honor the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. The second part of the declaration of faith, Christ is risen. Now, we lived for 20 years in a Greek-speaking island in the Mediterranean on the island of Cyprus. And it was a special time of year as we celebrated Pascha, that they call it in Greek. And that the, the words and the greeting everywhere you go, no matter who it is, on this day is Christos Anesti. Christ is risen. And the response is Alithos Anesti. We are risen, or he is risen indeed. Christ is risen, and then each person responds. So you go into the, into the market, you go uh, into, into the street to your neighbors, and everyone is greeting, and there's a testimony of the confession of faith, and something about it stirs my heart. So I'm an American, and we're not in a Greek-speaking environment, but I want to shout Christos Anesti because there's cultures that have preserved the witness and the testimony of our risen Lord. Hey. <laughs> Woo, that felt good to say that. You know that little, that little wink from the Lord when you, you uh, now you're talking. Now there's something. Woo, thank you, Lord. We declare Christ has risen. Christ has risen. Christ has risen. Let it be our banner cry. Woo, where is your sting? Death. He took it, and he has the keys of hell and death, and he overcame. He is risen indeed.
I've just been meditating this week on the post-resurrection Jesus. If you can't tell, I'm in love with him. I am in love with Jesus. I mean, he is the best part of this whole thing. He's the best part. Sometimes people get caught up in doing the things and all the things, but we forget the man. We forget the lamb. We forget our king. I want us to see him more clearly today. I want us to love him more. Oh, I'm not going to go into that. We're going to love him more deeply <laughs> and dearly. And I've been thinking about this and how amazing he is. As he appears to his disciples after his resurrection, to one, to two, to a group of them in an upper room, to his disciples in Galilee, to 500 all at once. Every time he's fulfilling every prophetic promise. This whole Passion Week that we're celebrating, he's literally fulfilling all the promises of God in Scripture, all the things that the prophets foresaw. He's fulfilling them in every way, and yet in the midst of it, this is how amazing he is that when he appears, he surprises them every time. That's my Jesus. That's my Yeshua. That's my friend. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. That he's so multifaceted and he's so much wiser and he's so much more full of love that he can fulfill every promise that was written concerning him. And at the same time, even those that knew him the most and were closest to him, he's full of surprises. There's no boredom in our relationship with Jesus. He's full of surprises. He wants to encounter us in new ways. He wants to reveal more of who he is. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, wow. So every time that he appears after his resurrection, and it says things like, and he came in another form. He's fully God. He's fully man. He's totally supernatural, totally surprising. And then he says, touch my hands. I still have the marks. I have the wounds in my hands. But if you put your hand in my side, and he says, give me something to eat. And then they find him beside the Sea of Galilee. He's cooking. He's doing a, a, a grill out or a barbecue, whatever you call it down here. <laughs> we, we are in the South, right? And uh, he surprises them every single time. It's amazing. And as I was been meditating and reading these passages and just thinking about not just to read the text, but to see him. And to see his delight. I mean, this is the culmination, right? He's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And now when he comes and he appears and he's in glory and he's, he's beaten death and hell in this place, he's coming to those that are dearest to him and he's surprising them each time. He's like, can you imagine the excitement? Like for me, it would be maybe... It's been, it was my birthday recently. And say, and say like, someone blew me away with a gift. Just amazing. Like, gay, gifted me with a Land Cruiser or something like that. And the people who know me know that that's like my dream car. And I would be so excited to see them the first time with not saying anything, showing up in that land cruiser, right? You know, it's that friendship, it's that, that love, that connection. They know me, and they'd be surprised. Wait, what? You got it. 
what I'm saying? And you could feel his excitement in how he's coming in different ways to each of his disciples. He's revealing, so he's appearing in different ways. And as I began to look at this and study, I realized that he was teaching his disciples as he's appearing in those days between his resurrection and his ascension, he was teaching them how to look for his comings, how to look for his appearances. Don't just expect that he's going to come in the same way. But look for him. See him. Behold him. The things that delight his heart. These are some of the things and some of the ways that he came and he revealed himself in his post-resurrection appearances to them. He revealed himself walking alongside his disciples on the road to Emmaus as they're downcast. And he's playful in this. Can you imagine? He doesn't just say, hey guys, here I am. He just walks alongside them and they're, they're sad because of the events that have taken place. And he comes along and he starts asking them questions. Hey, what's going on? You know, what, why, why the long face? You know, what's, what's happening? And they're like, wait, haven't you heard? Not everybody in Jerusalem knows as they're walking out from Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus. And he's just a little sneaky. He's playful with his friends. He's not fully revealing himself yet. But as he talks to them, something is warming in their hearts. That's his way with us. It's like it says in Song of Solomon that he's playful in how he gives us a glimpse to see if we're going to pay attention and lock eyes with him and run after him. Peering through the lattice work, I look for my beloved. He came to the door and then he withdrew. Will you pursue me? something's happening as he's walking along. He hasn't revealed himself that, that in it. And he's asking them questions there about the events that have happened and their surprises and hurt. But something starts to change and they come to the place that they're going to stay. And they say, would you stay a while? He acts if he's going to continue walking on. Very Middle Eastern. It's a total Middle Eastern kind of story. No, 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 no. It's okay. You know, you have to ask three times before they say yes. I'm just going to keep on going on my way. No, come and stay. He was revealing himself in increments. They didn't even know who he was yet. But by doing that, he was pulling upon their hearts so that there would be appropriate love and faith response to the glory that's now being revealed to him. Sorry, to them. By him. And in him. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Most of the encounters that I've had with God start with an inkling. They start with a sense. It's like, it's like going into that attic space where there's not a light switch and it's dark and you know that there's that string that you can pull on to turn the light on and you go and you're kind of stumbling. I know it's here somewhere I know it's here somewhere, and you take that risk to step out and to reach out until your hand feels the lightest resistance, that string on your hand, and then when you feel it, grab it and pull on it 
And then when the light comes on, everything changes. That's how he reveals himself. Father, sensitize our hearts as our cry is that you have risen indeed to the slightest movements. Sometimes he sends his messengers ahead of himself to stir the atmosphere. And we recognize the presence of angels. But even in the presence of his messengers, we don't stop there, but we say, we want to see you, Jesus. We want to know you. We want to hear your words. We want to hear your voice, for your voice is sweet. And your voice is clear. So the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they beckon him to stay a while. They have no idea that but what he's about to do for them is teaching them about how he wants to appear to them in the future. When they say, would you stay a while? And he pretends like he's going to go on. And then he does come in and he sits down and he begins to eat with them. He takes the bread and he blesses it like he had done so many times before. And he breaks it in the moment that the bread is broken. Their eyes are opened and they see him for who he is. And he's training them in righteousness. And that way he says, I'm with you for a moment. I'm with you. He's going to be there for 50 days. Or for, sorry, for, he's going to be there. Yeah, he's going to be there for 40 days from his resurrection, walking with his disciples, revealing himself in different ways. And then he's going to go to the Father, but he wants them to know the answer to your question of would you stay a while? Would you come aside? Would you abide with me? Will be the lesson that they learned that in the breaking of bread, his presence will appear. So when we eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus by faith, we, we do it in faith, believing that he's going to show up because he's died and he's risen, and he's coming again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and he has revealed himself to the church and to his people whenever, as often as you do this, do this, and remembrance of me, this is my body, this is my blood. Share have fellowship, have communion, sit across the table with me, have intimacy with me. You can know me and I will feed you and I will feed your soul and I will sustain you and I will nourish you and I will nurture you and I will heal you and I will give you everything you need. And so he give, he's giving them a clue. If you pursue me and when you by faith break the bread and drink the wine, that I'm going to appear to you again and again and again and again. He reveals himself to his disciples in so many different ways. Not only just walking alongside, how about supernaturally and suddenly walking through a wall? I, I would actually prefer the walking alongside of the road. They were afraid when he just appears, when he comes through. They had already seen wild things, him showing up on the water in the midst, after a storm, on the boat, all those things, but they still didn't prepare them for him to just walk through a wall. 
to show up in the room. You know, we sing, when everything changes, uh, everything changes. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Woo! When he walks through walls, it's scary. There's awesome fear of God that's released. That's supernatural, but it's the kind of supernatural, it's, kind, it's the kind of awe that we want in our lives because he's above and beyond. Now he's risen and glorified, and there's no substance that can hold him back. No stone kept him in the grave. No wall kept him from having access to them. But then he has to prove in my glorified state, I am also here with you as a man with a body. Touch the marks of my love. Put your hand in my wounds. How is it that the glorified Jesus still has the scars of love? Because love is the greatest essence, and he was slain before the foundation of the world. It's from eternity. And so eternity is part of his glorified nature, and he comes and he takes on the form of man, and he takes the eternal value of the slain lamb into his physical body, fully God, fully man. These are the mysteries that bend our brains a little bit. But he's inviting us in to intimacy. Put your hand in the marks of my love. Put your hand into my side. See what I did for you. So he surprises them by appearing supernaturally. He surprises them by walking just in a normal way, like a man with his friends, coming through walls, appearing and then disappearing. He's revealed as the son of man in his humanity when he's hungry and he says, give me something to eat. Just after he came through the wall, then he says, like, can I have something to eat? And he eats physical food because he's still a man. He reveals himself in his wounds, the marks of his love. He reveals himself in glory. Or what about to Mary in the garden, the very first one? Mary, who was there at the foot of the cross at the end with the apostle of love, John, and those two that when everyone else had been scattered, they're there, and then she's the first to see him in his risen and glorified state. To her, to her who is going to become the first proclaimer of the good news of the gospel. To her, who she doesn't recognize him at first because she can't even possibly imagine that he's risen from the dead, even though he had said, I am the resurrection and the life. But when he speaks her name, boom. Teacher, is it really you? Go and tell the other men. They're going to be a little bit slower. They're not going to believe. So I need a woman for this job. Someone whose heart is tender and ready. Come on, guys. We got to admit it. And that first evangelist, that first speaker of the good news goes and she runs to tell the other disciples that Jesus was in the garden. He was revealed. The one that she thought was a gardener is the Lord. Jesus reveals himself in scripture. In Luke 24, it says that 
after he had, let me just read it to us. The spirit of revelation comes from the resurrected Lord. After he had revealed himself to those disciples in Emmaus, it says in Luke 24, 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Friends, I want to tell you that there's an invitation to see Jesus in all the scriptures. In fact, I want to challenge us to believe that he's revealing the scriptures that they had at that time was not the New Testament. It was the Hebrew scriptures. And he said, from Moses to the prophets and all the scriptures, he took them through and he said, this was me, this was me, this was pointing to me, this is me, I fulfilled this, I fulfilled this. And they were falling in love with him again and again because he fulfills all righteousness and every promise and word that was spoken towards him. Later in the chapter, it says in verse 44, then he said, these are the words which I spoke to you which I, while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Father, we ask that the risen Lord today on this resurrection Sunday would open the eyes of our understanding to see him afresh and new through all the scriptures, through Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and all of the word of God that reveals him. He keeps coming and revealing himself in different and varied ways. And this is their response. That they rejoice when they see him. That they run with the message that he gives them. The response of the disciples was the force of the gospel that literally catapulted them from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. When Jesus ascends to heaven at the end of Luke 24, it says that he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. The very act, last act of Jesus to his disciples was not the great commission, it was blessing. In the beginning, he blessed them and he commanded them to be fruitful. At the end, when he ascends to the Father, he commands them and then he leaves them with a blessing. There's a blessing at the beginning and there's a blessing at the end. And because of that, it says now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Now imagine this with me. He's literally lifting off the ground. The gravity no longer has any effect on the risen Lord. And as he blesses them and he lifts up his hands, they knew this. This was the blessing of Aaron. It's called the lifting up of hands in Hebrew. He's lifting up his hands to them. He's just commissioned them. Now he's giving them the power to do the thing he commanded them to do. And as he's lifting up, gravity can't hold him, boom, three feet off of the ground, a meter off of the ground, the Lord bless you and keep you. Maybe he went up 50 feet in the air and the last visage of him, the last look of him as he's going up into heaven, he's being carried up, that there's no power that can hold him any longer down to earth. He's rising up and he's giving a blessing. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. And he's gone and they're staring, looking up into heaven. And the angel speaks to them and says, why are you looking? And it says that they worshiped him. 
and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually praising and blessing God. The response of all the many different ways that Jesus responded, I mean, revealed himself after his resurrection, appearing in different types and different ways, elicited praise, rejoicing, joy, and then they ran. And this is our charge today. He wants to appear in fresh and new ways to us. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Before he ultimately comes again, he's going to come again and again and again and again in the breaking of bread. He's going to come again in the surprises. He may show up walking through a wall into your room. He may show up in, in the baptismal tank. He may, he may show up in all the different ways. You're just going driving in your car to work, and then he's sitting next to you there. He's saying, I want to open up your eyes to see me in a fresh and a new light. Father, we ask that you would fill our hearts with expectation, and that expectation of your many appearances would lead us to a longing and a desire for the fullness of the kingdom and the revealing of the king and Christ will come again. Behold your king when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Messiah and he shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever and we with him. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is the story of Resurrection Sunday. Sometimes the familiarity causes us to devalue the precious blood, the bread and the wine, the familiarity of the practices and the confessions that are actually propelling us into fresh revelation and the move of the Spirit in our day. So Lord, I pray for Bethel Austin on this Resurrection Sunday, that you would appear in new and fresh ways. And how you appear to us would literally train us for expectation and for longing, and that we would rejoice, that we would respond in worship, and we would run with the gospel until the kingdom comes in fullness until the kingdom comes in glory, until the glory of the Lord covers the whole earth. Let us start in Austin, Texas. Whew. Let us start in our hearts. Let us start in our homes. Worthy is the lamb. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. One more time. Stand to your feet. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Surely he will come. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.